With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there. I am Dr. Pamela Larde, and this is The Joy Whisperer, where we explore the science and the practice of joy as a catalyst for our resistance, our relationships, our resilience, and our restoration. Now, today we're going to be looking at the delicate balance of boundaries. Now, boundaries is something that many of us struggle with for a wide number of reasons, and we're going to be looking at boundaries from the standpoint of three truths. Truth number one, there is joy in saying no. Truth number two, there are actually consequences to us saying no. And truth number three, we honor our mental and our physical health when we learn to say no and to set our boundaries. So we're going to be looking at those three particular truths today and exploring how we can integrate boundaries into our lives in a more seamless way that brings us peace and balance. So get ready, get a friend, get a pen, and let's get started on the joy whispering. Hmm, maybe you can make retirement happen. After all, you made home ownership happen. Homeschooling yourself on loans, beefing up your credit score. So I'm pre-approved. You were like, yes, sorry. Color coding listings, ticking boxes, and flushing every toilet in a 20-mile radius. Home sweet home. You aced house hunting. Now get the tips you need to get on track at aceyourretirement.org. Jason, let's go see your room. What do you think? We kept it a little spare so you can decorate it how you like. Hard numbers, precise, no margin for error. Dare to forget that. Dare to have fun with it. Get weird with it. Dare to get messy or just mess it up. Dare to program something internet breaking, record breaking. Dare to blow their minds. Dare to try, dare to fail. Dare to keep daring. Dare to learn the difference between organic, sedimentary, and non-foliated metamorphic rock. Get outside. Find those rocks. Dare to be homeroom famous, a high school fable. Dare to send those old STEM theories flying past the neighbor's house into outer space. And for the love of STEM, dare bigger. Dare to code. Dare to invent. Dare to explore. Dare to STEM. Check out She Can STEM to get started. For joining me. So today's theory to live by is one that I actually am quite excited about because it is what is really brought me into this work around joy in the first place. And it's this idea of joy as resistance. Now, if you think about it, if we look at the different civil rights kinds of movements and social justice movements that have happened over time, there is an element of joy that activists and leaders bring into those movements. Case in point, 
burn your bras for the feminist movement. Um, there was this this huge um, push to you know burn your bras and be free and liberate yourselves. And the point really was to find a way to show the public that we are independent, that we are free, but we're going to do it in a way that brings us joy. Let's burn these bras. If we look at the different movements that have been particularly led by black people over time, whether it is today's Black Lives Matter movement, um, whether it is the civil rights movement, or even the anti-slavery movement, um, we see evidence of joy through each one of those movements. So let's take it back to the anti-slavery movement. Um, black Americans at that time, who were not known as Black Americans, but at that time um, used you know the the oral traditions um, from our deep heritage to bring forth joy. So we had what is called the Negro spirituals. We shall overcome. Um, it did a couple of things. It brought us joy, but it also um, drove down, you know, drove the point of our resistance. We shall overcome. And so we see evidence of joy as resistance throughout different elements of history. And we have a lot of researchers who are really looking into this. And we're going to be looking at some of their work um, today as well and, and how we can um, use resistance as a way to take care of ourselves, to find balance, and to make sure we are standing up for our own um, health and wellness. How do we maintain joy when the world is feeling so much pain? In my family, we do it with the three G's and sun. Every morning and every night, we say good morning to each other or good night, and we talk about what we're grateful for, and we do some sort of a connected grounding. You can also do this with yourself in the mirror if you're on your own. The other is sun. We surround ourselves with people who we can support and who can also support us. We share how we're feeling. We also commit to at least two uplifting actions during the day that support our business, our community, or our family. And then we step out into nature for at least five minutes. Too often, we are afraid to use the word no. But when we come back, we're going to explore exactly how joy is embedded in the word no. An amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Thank you. Truth number one is that there is joy in saying no. Now, I really love the work of author Austin Channing Brown. Um, she wrote the book, I Am Still Here. So definitely check that out if you have not already. Um, but she has an article that she's written. It's on her website. But the article is entitled Joy as Resistance and the Joy that My Dignity Commands. And um, I really love this. And she quotes a poem um, by Toy Derek Hote. 
And really, the poem is to demonstrate how she revolutionized black feminism. And it's just with one line from her poem, and that line is, joy is an act of resistance. And so, again, looking at the movements that have taken place over time, we have found ways to infuse joy into that. So what does this have to do with balance? When we think about balance, balance is really our own, for many of us, our own fight for justice within us. How do we make sure that we are okay and that we are doing what needs to be done to take care of ourselves when there is so much pulling at us to take care of everyone else and to be concerned with other people? Now, it is absolutely essential that we are caring for the people that we love and that we're there for them in the capacity that we're able to be. But that's the key, is that we have to know the capacity that we have um, so that we can operate accordingly and, and be able to take care of ourselves at the same time. So this idea of balance sometimes becomes a movement within ourselves when we are battling to make sure that we are at a place of peace and that we are not overrun and that we are taking care of ourselves. So one part of this idea of there being joy in the ability of saying no is that saying no in many ways is about standing up for ourselves. And why that may not always feel great in the moment, this idea of standing up for ourselves when we finally do it and we realize that we've done this brings joy to that small victory. And so for a lot of people, that is extremely difficult to do, just the idea of standing up for yourself, because there is an, you know, an enormous amount of guilt that people experience when they put their needs at the forefront of any matter that, you know, that they're dealing with. So one of the things that you know, we, we can celebrate is that idea that I stood up for myself. I said what I needed to say. I did what I needed to do to make sure that what my voice was heard in this particular situ situation. So that is one of the ways that saying no means joy, brings joy to our lives. Another thing is that being able to say no enables us to step more deeply into our values. Because a lot of times when we are just kind of going with the flow and doing what it is that other people want us to do, we are not necessarily honoring our values. We are valuing the we are honoring the values of other people. We are prioritizing their needs. And when we can say, you know what, one of my values is rest. And what I am being asked to do over here contradicts with that value because there will be no opportunity for me to rest. Being able to say no says I'm going to stand firm in my values. So what's important is for us to first think about what are those values? You know, what are those things that are near and dear to me that, you know, are my non-negotiables, those things that I am not going to settle for? And once you really understand what that is, it positions you um, in a much better way to be able to stand up to those values, to be able to stand firm in those values. So, uh, you know, for myself, you know, for example, I think about, you know, if, if there is something that's not resonating with me, if I feel like I'm compromising a part of myself, I do give myself a moment to really think about it and process it. It might not be no right there on the spot. It might be, let me think about this. Let me, you know, and what I'm doing is I'm thinking about how can this be mutually beneficial to myself and to the other party? And if there's not a way that it's beneficial to myself, then I am going to rethink whether or not this is something I should do. And then finally, we are insulating ourselves in peace when we know how to say no. And finding that peace is really a foundation for joy. So when we can understand what it means to say no and how that really um, contributes to the level of peace we experience, we are indeed finding a way to engage in joy through our no. So that is what's so important to understand is that there is joy in no. So be willing to say no and be willing to take in that joy.
If you need to do something to feel okay to drive, you're not okay to drive. Don't drive buzzed. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Saying no in and of itself is a form of joyful resistance. And I want to demonstrate for you how this plays out when we begin the practice of beginning, be, being able to use joy as resistance. Now, there are three particular benefits that come to play when we are able to exercise saying no and to um, really be able to stand up for our values and stand in our voice. Number one is that, you know, resistance, the practice of resistance, like exercise, only builds our strength. And if we think about our mental strength and our strength and our willingness to stand up for ourselves, to make sure we have what we need, the more that we are willing to practice resistance, the more we are willing and able to build up our strength. So that is a really important component because once we get used to being able to say no, we get really, really good at it. Trust me. The next one is that we find our voice. And, um, and being able to find our voice, you know, I write about this in Letters to the Brokenhearted. And I talk about how if we take voice lessons in, in the sense that uh, we are able to stand up for ourselves and set our own boundaries, we can get really good at saying no to what we don't want and saying yes to what we do want. And so when we get to this point of really being able to find our voice, it enables us to have less fear and more confidence when it comes to taking care of ourselves. So this practice of joy as resistance not only builds our mental strength, but it also builds our voice. And then finally, what building our joy resistance um, does for us and for others is that our resistance liberates others to do the same. Now, as a mother, this means a lot to me because it means that I am in a position to model the way for my children in showing them what it looks like to set boundaries and what it looks like to say no, what it looks like to say yes to the things that I want. And when we are able to do that, we are able to show other people how they can do the same thing in their own lives. And this is powerful. I'm told this all the time that, wow, how do you do what you do? I would love to be able to fill in the blank, X, Y, and Z. And a lot of it has to do with knowing where my boundaries are and knowing how to use my voice to set those boundaries. Now, there's a theory that comes to mind and it's set by, uh, was created by Carol Gilligan, and it's the um, it's the ethic of care model. And what it basically, in a nutshell, set shows is how a person goes from a point of being completely isolated, and ultimately to the point where they can stand in their own truth and stand up to themselves. So at that first phase of isolation, they really don't trust anyone. And they're in a situation where they, they don't want to engage with people, they don't want to build relationships, out of fear um, of getting hurt, out of fear of not being treated well, out of fear of being pushed out of their boundaries. And so the choice is to isolate themselves. But after some time, you know, people get to a point where they're, you know, you know, I need connections. I need friends. I need people. I need love in my life. And so that desire compels people to then move into a next phase, which is all about pleasing others. And this is starting to build those relationships but making those relationships all about the other person and not so much about yourself. And the reason for that is because it is a fear of losing the relationship. There's this idea that I've got to do what I've got to do to fit in, and I'm going to make sure that I am giving and I am caring for the other person, even if it means um, jeopardizing my own joy, even if it means putting aside my own needs. Now, we can only do this for so long before we grow tired or resentful of the fact that we are doing all this giving and we are not being fulfilled. So what that does is it moves us into the next trans transition, which is standing in our truth. 
Now, standing in our truth is the point at which we acknowledge, you know what? I have needs too. And what that moves us into is that final phase, which is this idea of um, living a life of nonviolence. And nonviolence may be an extreme term for some of you, but the idea is that I am not going to evoke violence upon myself, which is like neglect, not doing the self-care, and I'm also not going to allow people to do that to me. So I will not be neglected. I will not neglect others. I'm going to make sure there is this mutual, reciprocal relationship of care and respect. That's what happens when we learn how to stand up for ourselves and have joyful resistance. Joy is power, and today's power gear is one of my all-time favorite types of accessories to wear, which is a nice sporty cap. And it says, Black Joy Matters. Now there is a whole line of Black Joy Matters gear on the Joy Whisperer website. Go to our store at thejoywhisperer.org and check it out. So you can rock it on a good hair day, bad hair day, doesn't really matter. It looks good either way. So go to thejoywhisperer.org, visit our store, and join the Joy Whisperer tribe informally by getting yourself some gear. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college, so I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Number two, there are consequences to saying no. Now, I know a lot of us don't necessarily want to dive into the consequences, and some of the consequences may seem pretty obvious. But one of the things that we don't do often enough is really strategize around those consequences and determine to what extent are we okay with those consequences and to what extent do we um, prefer not to deal with those consequences. It is our choice. We literally have the opportunity to decide, you know what, it's a consequence that's not worthy enough for me to take. Um, and for other situations, it's no, absolutely. This consequence is 100%, um, you know, worth the risk. What are some of the things that, you know, we may lose or that might be on the table, you know, when we are willing to set those boundaries, when we're willing to say, you know what, Actually, I am not going to engage in this kind of conversation with you. Um, actually, I am choosing to table this for another time, or I am not going to be able to continue to pick your children up for school in the morning because it, you know, and you may not even need to say it because if you want to say it because, <laughs> um, but because it really does cut into my time and I'm not able to get to work on time, you know, whatever that is. And being able to draw those boundaries, you know, often indeed 
results in those consequences. So one consequence that um, you, that we may experience, and many of you may have experienced this between childhood and adulthood, is that idea of losing friends. Um, I have certainly had this happen. Whether it is a clear boundary that I'm drawing to say, you know what, this is just not my thing, this is not my kind of thing that I like to do, or this, um, you know, is just kind of not resonating with the kind of friendship that I want to have. I, I require a little bit more support or I require a little bit more space um, and a little less, you know, crowding. Whatever that is, it doesn't necessarily mean that the person will be able to take it well. So just because you have a boundary does not mean that the other person will just automatically adjust to your needs and, and that it'll all flow well after that. Um, sometimes what happens is that the person just chooses to dismiss themselves from your life, and that can be devastating. So it's important to think about what are the possible ramifications of putting forth this particular boundary that I may have. And if the friendship ends, if I lose this friend or this you know, acquaintance, this relationship, is it better to lose it than to lose the boundary that I was trying to establish in that situation? Sometimes it's a matter of also wondering whether or not the person has your best interests in heart, at heart um, and whether or not there is a reciprocal um, commitment to the well-being of both parties involved. So thinking about those kinds of things, you know, I, I've definitely experienced the, the friendship loss um, with, you know, being able, you know, when I've said, you know, this is what I need. I need to experience and express joy. I need to, and, and believe it or not, losing a friendship even over that because um, having a friend who did not understand or trust or resonate with this concept of joy. Like, why are you so dang happy all the time? What is that about? Um, and so even in, in, in the expression of joy, that could be a situation that just simply doesn't resonate with people. And your boundary may be, nope, I'm not, I'm not sacrificing this joy for this friendship. Um, so that's one thing to think about. Another thing is when we stand in our um, you know, our, our truths and we, we live in our boundaries, we may lose opportunities. So there may be, um, let's take, you know, um, salary or pay negotiation, for example. If there is a certain value that you attach to yourself, yourself in terms of what your cost is, um, what your prices are, how much you should get paid, what your salary should be, if you stand on that, there may, be there may be opportunities lost. There may be people who say, well, nope, I'm not in alignment with that, and I can't do that. So it's up to you to decide, is this a boundary that's important enough for me to maintain? And in, if the answer is yes, then by all means maintain it. And then the last one is that we may be misunderstood. And that's one of the most difficult ones for me because I do not like being misunderstood. It's one of my pet peeves. It might be an ego thing. But if it's more important that your boundaries are maintained and the risk is that you are misunderstood, so be it. It's important for you to be able to stand in your boundaries so that you can take care of yourself and, and, and move forth in the way that you are called to move forth in your life. What do I do to protect my boundaries? I guess the first thing that I have learned is to say no. No. I'm not able to do that, period. No explanation is required when you're providing a no response to someone. Communicate um, my boundaries clearly and directly because no one knows what those are unless I effectively communicate to them what my um, limitations are, what my deal breakers are, um, how far to go with me in any given relationship could be with family, friends, co-workers, etc. Point out when those boundaries have been crossed. So it's important to do that immediately. Call it out when someone um, does something to offend or to 
cross those lines in which you've already established in a given relationship, talk about it, and then those individuals can either correct or change the behavior or not, but you have the information in order to proceed with that relationship or not. Oftentimes, setting boundaries means also saying yes to ourselves. When we do that, we care for our mental and our physical health. When we come back, we're going to talk about just that. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college. So I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Thank you. Thank you. Freedom. It's at the core of who we are. The freedom to live without fear. To jog where we please. To wear a hoodie. The freedom to breathe. Before we celebrate the freedom most Americans have, we must fight for the freedom all Americans deserve. Because all lives can't matter until black lives matter. So we talked about how there are consequences to saying no. But guess what? There are also consequences to saying yes to ourselves. And I want to talk about that a little bit because there are times when people really struggle with the way that we manifest joy in our lives. One really great book that I've read recently, it was by um, Adrienne Marie Brown, and it's called Pleasure Activism. Um, and her idea really is that the more we become connected to our own understanding of pleasure, the more we become connected to our purpose. Now, there is a definitely a taboo take on pleasure, depending on you know, who we're talking about and what the particular belief system is. The way Adrienne Marie Brown tackles this concept of pleasure is she looks at pleasure from a wide range of spectrums, from physical pleasure to even substance pleasure, um, and how we use those things to fuel our own joy um, in whatever movement or change of transformation that we are trying to create. She also says that, you know, in her book, it is up to us to really um, be disciplined and to know when um, it, pleasure becomes an addiction and whether you know, it is something that is serving us or whether it is not serving us. And so I want us to break away from pleasure automatically being a thing of sin for the purposes of this conversation. Because pleasure can be, I am going out and I am feeling the sun and I am feeling the wind on my face. I am you know, spending time with a loved one and we are cuddling and holding hands. Um, I am watching a TV show that feeds my soul and my spirit. I'm reading a book. And so I want us to open up our um, you know, perspective of what pleasure can involve. And I want you to think about what pleasure might mean for you. Um, I, I did mention you know, substances or things like that. But I want you to include things like candy and cake and ice cream <laughs> in all of that as well. Because... Those are things that um, we take in as forms of pleasure. Now, the question is, what forms of pleasure are healthy for us and what forms of pleasure do us damage? In the same vein, what quantity you know, of pleasure can we handle that will remain, that will keep us healthy versus the quantity or the amount of pleasure we take in that is too much and then serves to um, do us wrong? Another really important concept that, that um, she Brown brings out in her book is 
this idea of being insatiable. And that is one thing that I think um, was such a good point in terms of how to pay attention to the way that we take in our pleasure. If we are insatiable, it means that there are no limits to the amount of pleasure that we'll take in um, in order to satisfy our souls. Insatiability is not a good and healthy thing. She wants us to get to a point where we can in, you know, take in the pleasure, find satisfaction, and move forward to the things that we are meant to do with our lives. And so joy, in the same sense, is that thing that gives us the energy and gives us the fuel to live out our purpose and to live out the things that are the desires of our heart, the things that we would like to see change, the things that we would like to bring forth as part of you know, our time here on earth. So insatiability, when we cannot be satisfied, uh, really kind of creeps into the area of addiction. So we need to be really careful about that. And when we have our yeses, we need to make sure that our yeses are healthy yeses that serve us well, that propel us forward, and are not yeses that cause us to crash and burn. One example for me, I love candy. <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows that I love candy. And believe it or not, there is legitimate addictions associated with candy and sugar. So there does become a point at which there is too much taken in. It can cause, it can wreak havoc on our bodies. It can cause us to crash and burn at the end of the day. So we have to have certain levels of discipline and resistance when it comes to taking in the pleasure that usually can serve as fuel for joy for us. So pay attention to that. Our yeses can be great yeses, but they also can be detrimental yeses if we don't know how to use them. Today's whisper in my ear is a question that I have had myself on many occasions. And that question is, how do I know to keep pushing for a goal versus when it's time to stop pushing for that goal? Because maybe it's just not meant to be. Maybe it's not a calling for me. And that's always a tricky question to answer because it's not always the same and it's very highly dependent on the situation. But what I would say for individuals that have been pushing for something and it just doesn't seem to be happening and they're starting to wonder, now am I supposed to be motivated and resilient through this? Or am I supposed to pay attention and say, you know what, this probably isn't the way that I need to go. Well, there's a few things that I would suggest that we look at when we're in situations like this. Number one, what are the signals that are surrounding the particular situation? Do you see or sense that there is um, some level of support or push for you to continue moving forward in that direction? Or is there just nothing but resistance? I'll give you an example. I once had a colleague who um, was finishing her graduate program and she actually was moving towards getting her career and she wanted to you know, get a good job in the field and she was applying for jobs and it was taking quite a bit of time. And I know this might be quite applicable to people now who are in the push to find a job. The, tra the challenge for her was that she couldn't seem to find a position in her field and this is what she really wanted to do. But she also wanted to stay in her city and she was bound and determined to stay in her city. She got interviews in other places, but was not getting an interview in her own city. To me, that's a signal that maybe I need to be a little bit more flexible about how this particular goal will be achieved. So I had a conversation with her and I said, you know, maybe it's you know, something you might want to consider that this might not be the city where that job will take place for you. She didn't want to hear it. I, oh, no, no, no. I've been here my whole life. This is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to stay. And eventually, probably took another six months, she ended up taking one of those interviews in another city and lo and behold, fell in love with the opportunity and has been there for the last 20 years. So I think that when we, when we start to experience a resistance that isn't letting up in any way, shape or form, there are no you know, sprinkles of hope. There's, no, there's nothing that's giving us any kind of 
signal to move ahead and to keep going forward, that it's important for us to pay attention to those signals. And so her flexibility enabled her to not only um, you know, let go of the rigid idea of how this was going to play out, but to open up to something new and totally change the trajectory of her life. So sometimes when we can pay attention to those signals, that is all we need to, to pivot and to decide, okay, maybe this isn't the direction I need to go. The other thing is whether or not the process and the experience is bringing you joy. And as cliche as that sounds, I tend to use that as a, a guide. And if I know that a certain endeavor that I have is bringing me joy, even if the process is difficult, even if the process you know, doesn't feel rewarding in every moment, but if there is some kind of energy that I get from it that brings me joy from the pursuit, then to me that is an important thing to pay attention to. A lot of times we like to ignore um, the element and the power and the strength that joy has in our lives, but it actually can be a guiding light. One of the things that I, I believe strongly is that when we are given a dream or we have a purpose, something that is planted in us to pursue, that is um, something that fuels our joy. And so if we are pushing in a certain direction and no joy is being sparked from it, then it is not necessarily, in my mind, something that um, is connected to our purpose, that is connected to the inner um, strengths and, and, and who we are. So something that really should be reconsidered. A lot of times we do this also, not just with goal setting, but also with relationships. We become fixated on certain people in our lives and we don't want to let them go. And a lot of that is because there is a fear of what happens if I let this particular situation go. Will I be able to find love again? Will this person hate me? Will we never be connected? Um, and so our fear is what causes us to hold on to those kinds of relationships. Now, so the question that we want to ask ourselves, are we being driven by fear or are we being driven by the prospect of joy? So when we are not sure if the signs and the signals are telling us this, you have, you have gone as far as you're going to go with this versus no, keep pushing to this. We might want to look at the signals that are there, the joy that we find and um, whether or not they are guiding us to keep moving forward or to pivot into a different direction. So as I take this huge leap into entrepreneurship, one of the assignments and challenges I've been given is to create a dream schedule for myself. It'll be a great reminder of why I'm making this sacrifice, why I've decided to go through this journey, is to have the type of life and type of freedom that I've desired. So creating a dream schedule is really important as I um, will sometimes have days that aren't so great, but at least I'm reminded that I've chosen to have days that fit the lifestyle and the desires that I want. Precise, no margin for error. Dare to forget that. Dare to have fun with it. Get weird with it. Dare to get messy or just mess it up. Dare to program something internet breaking, record breaking. Dare to blow their minds. Dare to try. Dare to fail. Dare to keep daring. Dare to learn the difference between organic, sedimentary, and non-foliated metamorphic rock. Get outside. Find those rocks. Dare to be homeroom famous, a high school fable. Dare to send those old STEM theories flying past the neighbor's house into outer space. And for the love of STEM, dare bigger. Dare to code. Dare to invent. Dare to explore. Dare to STEM. Check out She Can STEM to get started an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? 
I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college, so I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Do you know what our greatest barrier is when it comes to working out, exercising, staying in shape? It's us. Believe it or not, it is us because we fail to create the boundaries we need to create that time for us. So truth number three is we honor our mental and our physical health when we set boundaries. And, I, you know, I, it took me a while to really understand the connection between setting those boundaries and making sure that I was, let's just use the gym, for example, um, that I was going to the gym, um, that I was taking a break, that I was taking a nap, that I was reading a book, that I was going for a walk. It takes intentional strategy to create those kinds of boundaries and to carve out that type of time for yourself. So it has become a lifestyle for me. It is something that I now do on a regular basis. It comes naturally, but it did not come naturally in the beginning. Um, I know one of the things that really got me started was that I used to have quite a commute to work every morning, and I would make sure that in that commute, I also built in time to get to work, believe it or not, about an hour or two hours early so that I can work out once I got to the location of my job. And had I not done that, there is no way I would have built in working out. I would have gotten to work, gotten into the hustle, gone to lunch, ate my lunch, get off, you know, work for the day, and then, you know, hustle back home. But in requiring myself to show up two hours early to um, at least the city that I worked in, I was able to make sure that I got to the gym because by then I had been wide awake. I was in the car. I was listening to whatever I needed to listen to, music, podcasts, whatever it was. And then um, when I arrived, it was like, well, I've got two hours time. Let me go ahead and go to the gym. That was my strategy. And I think that we all need to create something unique for ourselves um, in terms of what our lives look like and, and what would work for us. For me, that worked because my daughter actually had to be at school earlier than I needed to be at work. So I would drop her off at school near my job and I would have that extra time. So thinking about what do I need to do and build into my life and, and protect you know, with, with all my might to make sure I have the time and the space to nurture my mental and my physical health. Um, and to me, the physical and the, the mental health are, you know, inextricably connected. So you, you know, if you take care of your body, you tend to be a little bit more conscious of, you know, your wellness and really kind of knowing, you know, do I feel right? Do I not feel right? What's contributing to that? And if we are paying attention to our mental health, we are thinking about, you know, what are the things that are triggering me? What are the things that bring me down? What are the things that bring me joy? When we start paying attention to those things, our physical activity follows that. So being able to create those, those boundaries and, and, those, and you know, really helps us create balance in our lives as well. And balance does not necessarily mean everything's 50-50. It just means that the, the things that we have in our lives that we really need to kind of move around and organize are proportionately 
laid out so that there is not too much going on on you know in one area and not enough going on here. So I'm feeding all of the physical activity and all of the the physical wellness, but I'm not feeding any of the mental wellness. That's not balanced. And so we want to make sure that we are taking care of that in a wide variety of range ways. And so we really, we honor ourselves when um, we are able to create those boundaries and, and, and really um, get serious about that time. So for me, before I was able to carve out that, you know, two hour window, which for some people might feel like, wow, that's a lot. I also found ways to steal away <laughs> into my workday um, and by just maybe slapping a meeting on my calendar and just saying, you know what, from three to four, um, I'm going to be in a quote unquote meeting, which meant I'm really going for a walk, which meant I'm really, um, you know, just taking a moment to sit somewhere and, and just breathe and meditate. And so those are ways that we can make sure that we're honoring ourselves and that we are being true to what it is that we need. So it, it begins with first knowing what I need and then carving out that time and then figuring out how to fiercely defend that time and those boundaries. That is the key to making sure that your mental and your physical health um, is well taken care of. Let's take a look at a boundary setting rock star. My example today is Michelle Obama. And I, I had the opportunity to read her book, both her book and uh, President Barack Obama's book. And um, I really love the storytelling element of Michelle Obama. She really um, dove into the sequence of her stories, her thought process, um, and what it was really like to um, be a, a wife, mother, career person, daughter um, through this crazy journey of living in the White House. Um, and I really admired her boundary setting skills. She did quite a few things to make sure that she was protected, her family was protected, their livelihood was protected, um, and that they really were able to leave, enter and leave the White House unscathed. So one of the things I want to point out first was that her priority was to protect her kids by all costs. And one of the ways that she did that was, you know, she brought her mom into the White House to allow for that, that family continuity to continue um, so that it was consistent from their lives in Chicago to their lives in the White House. And she made sure that the girls were able to experience family, experience family time um, in, in ways that prioritized them in spite of the, of course, daunting um, job that both Michelle and her husband had to take on as part of this role. And so making sure that she was true to herself um, was a way as well of protecting her kids. Moving her mother into the White House also meant protecting her mother. So she drew, she, uh, drew fierce boundaries to make sure that the family was, number one, first and foremost, safe, but number two, that it didn't feel like they were um, living this overly different life. Now, I'm sure there's the, that's probably not the easiest thing to do, but what was most important was that that relational connection, um, the family time, the family values, and all of those things remained intact. So one of the things that they did is they, they maintained family vacations. They maintained birthday celebrations. They, um, they One of the big, um, I guess, scandals of their time in the White House was going on a date in New York City. And if that's the big scandal of the time, I think that really speaks to um, how important those fierce boundaries were um, for Michelle Obama. She you know, they made it a point to still have their um, couple time as husband and wife. And so those are really, I mean, we're looking at a high level, highly visible position. And imagine the level of tenacity that it takes to really create those boundaries and to make sure that those boundaries, you know, stay intact. And one of the things that I actually found quite profound was the boundary that Michelle Obama drew around forgiveness. Now, there's a lot of different, um, I guess, areas where, you know, they were challenged and they were attacked and they were smeared and, and slandered in the, in the media. But there's one particular angle in which that slander was not able to meet Michelle Obama's forgiveness. 
And she talked about the way that Donald Trump's campaign against Barack Obama, his campaign, uh, the birther campaign, to prove that Barack Obama was not born in the United States, that he was not a U.S. citizen. Um, that entire campaign, as Michelle Obama describes it in her book, put her family at grave risk. They faced a number of death threats. They um, were just consistently, they were probably, not probably, but they were at higher risk than just about any other um, you know, presidential family that's ever been in the White House. So that, as Michelle Obama describes it, was one thing that she is not able to forgive. And it's funny because we have a lot of pressure. You know, we, have, we get a lot of pressure. You've got to forgive to forget. You've got to forgive for your own peace of mind. And if you don't do that, you're never going to have peace of mind. And I would venture to say that she probably has quite a bit of peace of mind. Um, and what she said in her book is that um, of all of the things that were done um, through that presidency, the one thing, and, and that presidency, I mean that of, of Donald Trump, the one thing that she is not able to forgive, that she will not let go of, is that birther movement because of the way that it put her family in grave danger. Unforgivable. I appreciate her willingness to draw a boundary there and to stand in her truth against violence, against emotional, mental, physical, or even the threat of violence against herself and her family. So that's an example of a boundary-setting rock star. And I want you to think about how do you set boundaries in your own life on a day-to-day -day basis? Thank you. Thank you. This week's gift to myself is really having the audacity to honor my time and my space. Now, that is not always easy to do, especially when we fall into seasons where we are overwhelmed and there are an abundance of projects and meetings and things and tasks that we need to do. Um, and I am in that season, the beginning of a new semester, um, an abundance of writing and research projects to be done, um, student papers to grade, meetings to be had. So how do I make sure that I am in mental tip-top shape in order to be able to tackle all of these things appropriately? Now, a lot of people think, I don't know how you do all you do and you know how do you keep up with yourself? Well, this is one big secret to how I do that. I make sure that I create time for myself that nobody else can touch. I make sure that I have certain meeting times throughout the day where nobody can meet with me but me. It is time for just myself. So for example, if somebody requests to meet with me from 2 to 3 p.m. on, I don't know, let's say a Thursday, and I've already got that time carved out to give myself time and space in between other meetings, I will not fill that space. And so I was very actively engaged in making sure I do just that over the past week because I really had to fiercely defend boundaries and make sure that I had time for myself and to make sure that I could give myself the space I needed to recover and recuperate after maybe a series of, of meetings that I may have had in the morning. So it's really important to make sure that you are the master of your schedule. So how do I find and maintain joy? That's pretty simple. For me, it's it's two things. One is, one is I have to take care of myself. I have to put the oxygen mask on myself on a daily basis, if that's meditation, if that's working out, if that's reading. I find joy in doing that. That allows me to do number two. The more I take care of myself, the easier it is for me to take care of others. We are fully responsible for preserving ourselves. We are fully responsible for protecting our peace, for drawing boundaries, and to making sure we are the purveyors of our own joy. 
So I want to make sure that you take the time to do exactly that this week. Thank you so much for joining in to this week's episode of The Joy Whisperer. Remember, joy is our greatest energy source for our resilience, our relationships, our restoration, and our resistance. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh yeah. Sign up at robinhood.com/boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for 5 years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.